Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. So this morning, just, just as we jump in, so next Saturday morning there is um, uh, rugby, and on Sunday we are taking up our offering. It's a celebration service, and we're celebrating the end of winter, but we're also buying that field together, taking ground together in the kingdom of God. And people have been asking me, where are we, how are we doing with it? We've still got a long way to go. And God is on the move. And people have been talking to me about preparing finances. One person even spoke they want to try to sell timeshare. They're going to create. There are many different ways to partner. But we do want to take this opportunity. My encouragement to you is don't miss out. In this moment, what God is doing, we'll tell testimonies for generations to come. But what God, there are more lunars waiting in a field to be prepared. There's more stories. And God, so be a part of that. If you want to find out more, come ask us. Um, but let's celebrate next week a celebratory moment. And then also... Just to whet your appetites, on a totally different note, we have a highly exciting announcement happening in the life of the church, which we're going to make next Sunday morning. So be here. It's going to be one of those days. One of those days we remember. One of those days God moves. And maybe saying, I don't even know if I like these guys. Why am I here? Come next week. You'll like us more. I promise you. But I want to preach this morning. And the English, I realize, is not great. Who is your they? It could be are, but I'm going with this. It just can. I can. It's, it's, it's preacher's license. But I want to preach this morning from a, I want to read from a text that basically preaches itself. So we're not in a series. Normally we preach in and through a series. And next week and the weeks to come, we'll be preaching through a beautiful series. But for today, I get the privilege of having a pastor to, to present something and to challenge us and to charge us about Jesus' word. And I want to preach from Mark chapter 2 about Jesus forgiving and healing the paralyzed man. It's a scripture that preaches itself. So why don't you read with me, either in your Bibles um, or on the screen. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, let me do that, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging, digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was the way they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I pray, God, as we come to your word today and we read this well-worn text that so many know of, I pray, Spirit of God, would you show us Jesus in greater measures? Would you open our hearts to what you would speak at this time, to the challenges you would bring, to the life that you want to pour out and the healing you want to do in this place? I don't believe we're given the scripture to know that God is able to heal. I believe we're given the scripture to be reminded we're called to be a people who keep carrying people to Jesus. So we do that today as we gather. We give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, mighty God. And there's many different groups 
in the story. There's the, uh, the, just Jesus. He's the miracle worker. He's back in town. The child arrived because they know Jesus' mission. He's just healed the leper and the story is on the go. And Mark is this book where you see this word describing Jesus' ministry, amazed. They were amazed, they were amazed, they were amazed. And who knows, the crowds love being amazed. So they start gathering. There is the paralyzed man who himself doesn't know, we don't know much about his background, we just know his circumstance. We know that there are those who gathered in such large numbers, as the Bible said, that there was no room left. And there's another group. We assume men by the description, but another group of which four of the group, we assume it's just four. No, there's a group, and four of them are carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. We account to the story. You know the challenge? I was in the States a few years ago, and I heard this most challenging statistic. And they had done research about the most unreached people group in America. And the stat was scary because it wasn't an ethnic group, a, a demographic, an income bracket. It wasn't a, um, any kind of grouping. It was this group of people, people in wheelchairs. That is the most unreached people group in the USA. And it's not because the buildings don't serve the purpose of wheelchairs. No, health and safety is a big thing and has been for a long time. Those buildings serve that community well. So what is the problem? What's the challenge? And it's got to be an affront and a challenge. And I don't want to present answers to that, but I know as we stood here last week and we baptized a beautiful young lady of 25 years old who in the last year had a terrible experience of an accident and the result of the accident being she is now paralyzed and has gone through months and months of rehab for the last eight weeks to come to this house and counter God as her family has been coming to church. And then two weeks ago, she said to me, do you think I could get baptized? And uh, you've got to know, I've been in church for 30 years. I've never seen a paralyzed person carried into the water. That was my first thought. I thought, God, I've never seen this before. Why? Why? And the courage of this young lady in the midst of her chaos. She's not through it. She's not through it. But the courage of this young lady, so I'm going to trust men and women to stand next to me, to lift me out of my wheelchairs. And, and in the natural, is that undignified? Well, the Bible says I'll be more undignified. And I think it was the most dignified thing I've ever seen in my life. In my life. But I'm saying, God, how much more the church now than ever before people come and see, we think paralyzed, we think can't walk in a wheelchair. There are people paralyzed with fear in this hall right now. There are people paralyzed with depression. There are people paralyzed with broken relationships. There are people paralyzed with pain. There are people paralyzed with a statement a teacher or a leader made 30 years ago, and it paralyzed your ability to move. Paralyzed with loss of the past. Paralyzed in many multiple ways. And they're coming to church all the time. And as we gather in worship, why do I believe in the church? We lift each other up. The presence of God begins to move. See, and there's, it's a challenge to our world of individualism. Where it's all about me and it's all about look at me. And it's, it's this is a challenge to a kind of glass box Christianity. If I just put me in a room with my Bible and I'll just do my Christianity on my own. No, you're going to need times. Everyone's going to need times. The Bible says you're going to have trials and challenges. You're going to have highs and lows. And, 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 and this young family is going to stand. I'm telling you, those beautiful kids are so beautiful. And, and, and yet there will be challenging times. Unfortunately, they will come. 
Who's going to hold? Who's going to carry? Who's going to be there? There's this country club Christianity notion where we pop in and there's a gentleman. I've been here for nine years. Every Easter he is here and reminds me that he's part of this church. And then I don't see him until Easter the next year. And I'm going, that's your decision, but it's still your decision. But who's, who's your they? And I'll explain what that means. It's, it's the power in our community and the challenge of being in a consumerism world where complaints are on a high. We take no ownership and we're looking for a bargain. No, the Bible says where the brothers dwell together. Dwell. They stay there. It doesn't mean it's always good. No, they dwell together. God commands. His, I want the commanded blessing of God on your life and mine. I, I, I desire that for us. And I'm super gentle with people. I'm saying, where are you? How are you? I don't message people and say, how, where are you? I say, how are you? But, but behind there is a pastoral concern with the knowing that the enemy is prowling. And my greatest heartache is knowing people who've made decisions to isolate themselves and the enemy takes them out. I'm going, come on. No more. It doesn't have to be. And, and yes, the truth is your next breakthrough might come in a conference where there's an incredible minister, and I love that, and I'll go to that myself, but I'm telling you, your breakthrough is probably sitting right next to you or behind you or in front of you, and they're probably a different color skin tone, and they're probably from a different economic breakthrough, but they're part of your breakthrough. If we'll allow God to show us and lead us. So as we come to these things, the challenges, Jesus challenges us, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than lay down his life for his friends. The challenges, Adam and Eve walk the garden, they go out of the garden, they have kids, and what's the first thing that happens outside of the garden? It tells us in Genesis 4. Then Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I do not know, he answered, am I my brother's keeper? Outside of the garden, outside of the presence of God, outside of the revelation of Jesus in our midst, we make the quest statement, am I my brother's keeper? Am I? In this world, it's, oh, am I my brother's No, In the church, in the kingdom of God, that is the mandate. That is the order. That is the, that is the call. And when my mate's daughter gets selected for a role, I'm going, thank you, God. I'm not going, what about my boy? I mean, he could have been the head girl, of course. <laughs> These days, anything's possible, but we won't. <laughs> but, but I'm going, thank you, God, for my friends. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you that when they could have kicked out of community, they stayed in community and they kept their kids in community. And that school is going to get a young lady who has been raised in the house of the Lord, who's seen parents stand in faith and navigate tough times, who's seen parents hold on to Jesus and commit to community, who's seen parents who've kept serving, still serving. Thank you, Lord, that a community of a thousand, how many girls in that school will be led by a young lady who has the Spirit of God inside of her? Who knows? So there's this challenge because do I carry my brother? And then we get to an age where governments like the UK and Japan are putting ministers of loneliness in place because there's a greater epidemic than COVID. People are lonely. And suicide numbers go up dramatically. And so we need to understand in this story, there's a couple of things I want to raise this morning. The first one is this, Jesus always makes room. 
says this in verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word of God to them. Challenges sometimes, Jesus comes home, these guys know something of the miracle, they fill the room, they fill the room. Sometimes we can do that as church, you know that? We can fill the room. And yes, it's an enamored reality of being enamored by Jesus and running, but I don't think our mission and mandate is to fill the room. I don't think Jesus is coming and looking at our church today saying, how fills the room? He's going, who got touched? Who got changed? Who can count in my grace, my glory, my healing? And there's got to be a revelation that Jesus breaks into the story and he's not limited. And, and here's how the story unfolds. They, 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 they're in the room and the room's full and they're outside and a group come with their mates. They know the healer's inside, but who's around? Well, a whole bunch of people, yes, they're those critiquing, but there's also believers. I think this scripture challenge, sometimes we can get in the way if we're not aware of his mission. If we're just looking for the Jesus show, if we're just looking for the religious moment where we see him and we walk away, feel edified, and I got my top up on Sunday, if we, we're just looking for that, I'm telling you, we'll be unaware of who he's looking for. And it's not that he's not looking for you if he's not been saved. His eyes are always upon you. That's what the Bible says. But let's be honest, Jesus tended to go after the one. He tended to go after the most broken. He tended to go after, and he got into the dirt to set a young lady free. And he went to a room where a young lady was dead. That's what Jesus did. It's not that his eyes weren't on the rest. It's that he needs to challenge our hearts. That sometimes we want to fill up the room, but we've got to be reminded who's missing. Who's not there? Why haven't there been more people in wheelchairs lifted up who we trust stand up out of that bath? I've got to ask the question of myself as a pastor. Maybe you don't, but I do. And it's got a challenge. My thinking, my life, my decisions, the comforts I settle and reside in versus the discomfort of the gospel that I embrace. Because Jesus always makes room. And the, the big point for today and the challenge of today is this. Who is your they? And yes, it's bad English, but we're going to carry on anyway. It says that some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man who was lying on it, was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Just says some men. I remember that old, remember that you, some of you are too young, the IBM TV advert. Now what an advert is, if you're under, my kids don't even know what advertisements are. Like, Dad, what's this? It's an advertisement. And, uh, but the road is long. Remember that thing? Come on. And the elephants are walking. And you're forgotten those for IBM. Like, who they? And, um, but, but, but it says some men. No, the group was bigger than the four. We tend to think it's just the four. No, the group was bigger. There was some men, a group that was bigger, that brought this guy with expectation and faith that Jesus would heal their friend or this man. On a it doesn't say their brother. It doesn't say their best friend of years. It doesn't say someone who's paid a price. And no, it just says they brought a paralyzed man. You know, the incredible thing is that nothing could stop them. It says, since they could not get into Jesus, they made an opening in the roof. Number one, they made a way. So when I ask who are your they, I'm asking who are the they in your life that will make a way? Play the scene out. Jesus is preaching. He's teaching. He's, he's sharing. And, and, and people are enamored. And they're there. And they're in. And the next minute, just like things start falling from the roof. 
just like dirt, a couple of whatever in the roof. As these guys, and guys are like, what's going on there? And you can just imagine. I don't think Jesus was upset. I think he knew exactly what was happening. I think his heart starts to get excited. But other people in the room want to go, hey, we got you first. Hey, someone get them off the roof. Jesus is like, ah, this is good. This is good. This is good. And the dirt begins to fall, and you just start to see the rays start coming through. And, and there's Jimmy on the one side of the mat. He's like, how's it? <laughs> Jesus is like, stop. And they rip open. But my challenge to you is who are those that will make a way? I, um, my life is, is full of people making a way. I, I could tell story after story of people making a way, of favor in their hands. And, but imagine these guys, they, they're making a way. First of all, they're grabbing a mat, and they, they, they've got this man on the mat, and they carry him. The challenge is that is dead weight. I don't know if you've ever carried an individual. It's, it's heavier than, it's hard, it's tough, and they've got to carry him there. There's, we don't even know how long that journey's been. We just see the roof seen. But we don't know how long this journey's been. Why are they late? Everyone seems to have got there first. No, we don't know. There's already been a long journey. Then there's the difficulty of we can't get him in. Ah, we could get bumped. Turn around. Sorry, bud. Next time. No, they get on the roof. My challenge to you is who's going to do that in your life? And you can go, God, why don't I have friends? Now I'm challenging you. I'm saying, who's your they? Who's your they? In a world where people have pulled out and the statistics are telling us that this church has shrunk by 30% in America and this, and I'm going, ah, come on. And I meet people ongoing, like, you know, I'm just uh, to be challenged to my mates online. If you're not online, my challenge to you is find a local church and get in there. And they're going to be unperfect, imperfect, and they're going to be challenges. But you need someone who knows that today you're not looking great. Looks like times are tough. You need someone to say, are you okay? We all need that, guys. And, and it's a decision we make to stay on that mat. And I love the story of, of one of the ladies in this church whose marriage was in trouble years ago. And by the grace of God, it's no longer as her husband encountered God. But three times a day, at three, at three time, different times of the day, a whole group of ladies would pray three times a day. I think it was seven in the morning, one and seven at night, they would pray for that man, for that marriage. And God moved one day mightily. And I'm going, that's what it looks like. And, 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 and when their family's in trouble, I heard of a family's in trouble recently, and an SMS didn't have to go out, and I didn't even know about it. And when I finally found out about what had happened, I said to him, are you okay? He said, no, people came around, their meals and that. Why? Because they have devoted themselves and in the fruits of their devotion, there's a breakthrough, there's a reaching in, and there's a, there's a them. Just a them. No faces, no names, no big stories, no big ministries, just them. They made a way. Second of all, they did the heavy lifting. It says, carried by four of them. See, in this world, there's a principle. It's called the Pareto Principle, where 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. And it's stats that have been done over years, and the businessmen in the room will tell you that the, the high probability is 80% of the company's profits come from 20% of their customers. 80% of a, of a company's profits come from 20% of their products. 
but they need the array. The challenge is that 80% of a company's sale uh, are made of 20% of the staff. Actually, there's an element of in everything and a principle that revolves throughout is that 20% of the benefit and the, the activity comes from this 80%. And the challenges in economics, 80% of the world's wealth lies within about 20% of the world's population. And yet we come to the church and God says, I'm going to use four to carry one. So in the world, one, 20% profit will carry the other 80% of the company's activity. In the church, I'm going to flip it around and give you a picture where four, 80% carry 20. And the challenge we've got used to, well, the grace flows from the pulpit or the preacher man and the 20% is the ministry team and that and everyone else are just there to receive. It's rubbish. It's not the kingdom of God and it's not the design. We are designed to be the four carrying the one, always. And, and so the challenge is we get up at a rise and, and we honor a beautiful lady, Maria, who serves in this community counseling and then everyone wants to go to Maria and say, no, 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 we've got so many other people. So many other people that you've got to see have got grace and we need to make sure that we are building a kingdom principle and not buying into a consumerism culture. See, back to the story. This 80-20 is tossed upside down. The design of the church was never that the many would be carried by the few as we have in big ministries and moments. And that's why when we see one person fall and a whole movement goes down, I'm going, no, it shouldn't be. We got to get back to what God says, which is a challenge because it's so foreign to our world. So foreign to our hearts. And secondly, uh, thirdly, on that issue of the they they had faith in Jesus. They didn't just bring this man to some moment. Oh, there's a crowd. Let's take him. No, they brought him through a roof to Jesus. It says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man's son, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith? His faith or their faith? Their faith. He might have been part of the there, but there's more than one. He saw their faith. And his sins were forgiven. It's what happens in community. We were laughing this week. Your drummer man in the back there, I told you you got baptized years ago. No, there was, a, there was an, an incident at, at about 19 years old. It's just an exotic moment of youth and exuberance and box wine. And... Um, <laughs> And I tell you this, <laughs> I tell you this because it, it then took a community to come around. As older men got around and said, hey, but these aren't good decisions. And we didn't just chuck them out. So we're going to get around you. We're going to carry you for a while because obviously something's going on. I'm not telling you the story to expose you. I'm showing you the sign and the wonder of a man who said, I'm going to stay here and not run. And I might be on a mat right now, but one day I'll be carrying someone else's mat. Who's your they? See, that they were prepared to their heavy lifting. See, the challenge of this story is we always think we, we have a tendency to believe we're part of the heroes of the story. Always. Who doesn't? It's like we watch it like, oh, I'll be brave, obviously, if this was a movie and I was cast. 
And, and, and it's like we all, I mean, I remember coming out of a Jackie Chan movie in a young age and kicking the poster. Like, uh, I'm like, it's, we all think that. The challenge is, as I said earlier, you might not be physically paralyzed, but most of us are paralyzed somewhere. And we need the they, the them, and the their faith to step into our story and carry us in moments. And I look around this room, and, and there are people who've stood. They've stood. They've held. They've, and and I, I said it to the staff this week, so I'll say it again. Right at the back row, you'll hardly ever see him because he sits in the dark there. He's one of my pastors, and Andrew Gaveda. And, and, and he sat in a church that, that transitioned from the, like, like the softest, beautiful, most beautiful man in the world named Wally Gersmeyer with blue eyes that looked at you and like looked through your soul, and then they got me. And I'm going, bad trade. And yet this man chose to just love, serve, honor. Even when I know some of the decisions probably definitely wouldn't have been his choice. And you know what that does? That carries you in moments where you're getting insecure. It carries you in moments where you go, I know God's called me to this, but why does no one like me? Oh, but Andrew does. <laughs> That's enough. We need that. We all need that. And I'm your preach, and I promise you my life has been a testimony of this because they stood for me and around me when my family lost everything and were liquidated at 19. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but they stood for me and protected me when my emotions wanted to get the better of me. They challenged me when my sexuality and my relationship and everything were on the line. They stood and they fought. They gave me courage to respond to the call of God when everything else was shouting, don't do it. No, they, they accepted us as leaders into a community where I had been the Jerry. I was the Jerry in a church in Durban, and they brought a 27-year-old on to lead them, thinking, what are you guys doing? See, they, uh, they have been generous to me. They have prayed. They have understood when you're tired, and sometimes you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, and they make the phone call to you, and I'm going, I'm being pastored right now by someone I'm supposed to be pastoring. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the mat. Get on the mat. Stay on the mat and allow yourself to be carried. But sometimes, as my very first preacher named Chris Vinod used to say, there's got to be the maturing, the glory to glory. It's got to be. And, and yes, we come in as little babies in our baby dedication and dad holds both of us. But there's got to be the growing up to say, actually, I'm going to stand. I'm going to grow up. And we see the signs and wonders standing up and growing up to say, I'll count. See, you here, head girl, I see worship leader. Because on a Sunday night, she's part of the worship team. And then that's during a busy school calendar, as obviously there's a, a high achiever reality in her world. That's on a Sunday night, and Sunday morning off to boarding school. And I'm going, thank you, God, that people go from the process of feed me, feed me, feed me, to actually I can do a little bit myself. You know that said your kid finally gets there? Whoop. And the food's on the wall. So close, buddy, so close. And then they start feeding themselves. And not only then can they feed themselves, they grow up a little bit, they can make toast. Fingers out the toaster, boy, out. And, and then, they can, then they can actually make you coffee, which we haven't graduated to yet, but it's a dream that we're holding on to. And then, and then I was just kind of prophesying. And then, and then one day they're going to leave your house, and you know they have to grow up, become men and women who can stand. And they don't need mom and dad don't do that. No, they understand and they grow up and then they become people who can raise up. 
who can pour out. No, there's got to be the maturing church. And part of the maturing is saying, you've got to stay on the mat when you need to be on the mat. But there's a time you've got to carry the mat. You've got to buy into that. And that happens in here. That's not a Sunday morning moment. That's not a, that, that happens in here. And that happens sometimes. You're going to be on the mat in one area of your life and you're carrying the mat in another. Welcome to the kingdom of God and the mess of the now. Until Jesus comes home. And lastly, I want to present this to you. Healing is found in humility. Jesus, so he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and walk home. Go home. He took he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. But healing happens in humility. It's humility for a young lady to say, at the age of 25, when actually I could be very conscious of my circumstance situation, and people are going to ask questions about my story. And I'm aware I've got to preach this in the next service, where she'll probably be here. Takes humility to say, but I, I need Jesus more than I need my pride. You need Jesus more than you need your pride, sir or ma'am. So do I. You need his hands, his story. Yes, you do. You also need his community. Sometimes you've got to stay on the mat. Or sometimes looks like, come up for prayer. Oh, but, but, but if I tell them what I'm struggling with, what they're going to think, they'll think, ah, oh, someone just like me, who God wants to do the same thing, I promise you. They'll think, come on, Jesus. And who cares what they think? As those guys were ripping open the roof, do you think they cared? Sorry, guys, I don't think they apologized once. They just ripped open that roof so their friend could walk. Because when someone walks, no one cares about the dust on the floor. No one cares. No one cares. Someone came to me the other week when we first did baptisms, and there was water everywhere. And they said, oh, yes, what about the carpets? I, said, I don't care about the carpets. I care about the lives. I care about the destinies. I care about the transformation. I care about what Jesus cares for. I don't care about carpets. But it's humbling to stay on the mat. Last year I was on the mat. And we'll tell the full story in time, but we were on the mat. Had a group of friends on a WhatsApp that I just I would just message, please pray. It's all I could say. I'm the guy supposed to be receiving those messages. That's kind of my job. But now you've got to go to others and say, I need you to pray. Who's going to rip open the roof for you? And we had a great need in our life regarding one of our boys. And I'm sitting in a clinic with my son. And I get a WhatsApp group that's created. And if you know me, you know I don't enjoy WhatsApp groups that much. I'm on too many. But this one said, tribe of Judah. It was two of my friends sitting down at a dinner with their wives in Durban. Saying, we love you. We love your son. And we know there's a need. And we want to be part of that. And then you've got to sit down and say, 
Father, you're so good. You're perfect in all of your ways because where I lack for my children, you don't. You just don't lack. You've got to stay on that mat and be carried. But there will be another day. And there has been with each of those gentlemen part of that group and those ladies on that group where we have been the ones carrying the mat. Sometimes getting on a plane from this city to that city to fight for marriages, to fight for children, I'll do it again. If it demands the last bit of margin I have in my finances to buy a ticket to get on a plane to save a marriage, it's not even a conversation. Not because we're in church together, not because anyone would know. Because that's what Jesus is asking. That's where the power is. It's where the life is. It's where the joy is. That's where the breakthrough is. And I love the stories. And my greatest story is not when I was involved. It's when I speak to someone and say, this has been chaos, but that person in the church has been spectacular. And that family going, thank you for the kingdom of God that is working. And I go to weddings, a part of the church, and people start to speak about different lives. I go, that's unbelievable. Can we stand this morning? My heart's desire in all of this, when Quinton gets up and holds up a credit card, my desire is Jesus, break the chains. Because to be brutally honest, in every second pastoral meeting I sit in these days, this thing is a problem. Now I can teach someone financial principles or I can show them Jesus. Financial principles will help and are necessary, but we've got to see Jesus. He wants you free. Which means if you heard that word, you don't know what to do and you're drowning and the only thing you know to do is phone that number. you got SMS because they say they'll set you free and they will. No, I'm telling you, run to, the, run to the kingdom of God. Run to His community. Get on the mat and say, I need to be carried to Jesus. Which means you've got to put up your hand and say, I actually want that freedom. I feel even as Quinton was praying this morning, God wants to break chains around. Can you just close your eyes? I realize this is a moment of humility. Right now, I'm asking you to get on the mat. Get on the mat. If you need breakthrough in the areas of breaking free from debt and you're drowning right now, and it would have been circumstantial or maybe it was even your fault, I don't care. I don't care. He doesn't care. He just wants you free. But if that's your scenario right now, can you lift up your hands so we can pray in this place? There's many hands. There's many, many hands. There's many hands. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Jesus. Jesus, we break open the roof this morning. We call on your mighty name. We declare your life and your freedom and your touch and your breakthrough. Your provision and your kindness pour out, God. I pray the lies of disqualification come off now. The lies that God is not with me come off. The lies that I can never break free of this situation, the circumstance. Come off your children now, God. 
Reveal your glory. Reveal your wonder. I don't know how you're going to do it. Maybe it's a WhatsApp group from Johannesburg. I don't care, God. But I declare your freedom over your children now. Your life and your abundance, God. Whether it comes from inside this house or outside, I declare, let it come from your throne. Let it be for your glory. And let life come. Let courage come to stand. To take a hold of the promises now, God. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Father. Come, Father. Freedom and life, joy, chains broken. Come, God. Come, God. Come, God. Come, God. Come, God. But there's also got to be another challenge from the Scripture. Say, actually, it's time to carry. It's time to carry. It's time to carry. Can we close our eyes again? My eyes are closed for this one too. If you're saying, I know God has called me to carry more in His kingdom. Here's the very first thing that's going to come to your mind, but you can't. You're not good enough. Someone else will do it. No, those are lies, so put them aside. But you're saying there's more to carry. Well, I'm telling you, the Bible's clear. It's your time for people, His people, His kingdom. It's your talents, your gifting. As this beautiful man Bunty sings behind me, it's a talent poured out for the kingdom of God. There's some with financial giftings who've got to step into some of these other sonoras to bring peace and order because that's the gifting on your life. For others, it's treasure. God's saying, I need you to sow your treasure to watch the kingdom of God begin to impact because you might not be in the situation others are. I'm calling you to be a part of the story. I'm calling you to be a part of buying a field so lives can change and other Jerry's can come through. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to carry now. Jesus will heal. Jesus will restore. But it's time to carry. My eyes are closed and every eye in this room is closed. But if you're saying, actually, it's time to carry more. And I'm placing my hand up in the area of your talents, your time, and your treasure. It's time to carry more. Well, in faith, will you put your hand up with me this morning? I want to pray with us as a church. It's time to carry. Church, it's time to carry. God, move our hearts for what is yours. We give you our hands, our hearts, our time, our talents, our treasures this morning. Because we know on the other side of the caring, there is a healing, there's a wholeness, there's a freedom. There are chains breaking and cities changing. There's a nation waiting to see you, God. I pray, silence the lies of the enemy that your, your part won't count. No, if one part of a four-part caring fails, the whole thing goes down. It can't be the first time we carry our brother is at their funeral. It can't be, Lord. I pray, put a burden inside of your sons and daughters this morning and burn a burden inside of my heart this morning. We'll be a people who carry. People who carry. And a people who will be carried as we fellowship in the goodness, the perfection, the wonder, and the grace of the Almighty God today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.